0: All right, here we go. Remember how I told you that the I, we've been doing the series on uh, our father's heart, and I, which we talked about his love for us. We talked about um, the importance of prayer and the importance of the church. And after I did those, we went up and saw Lou Engle up in the Des Moines area. And he had mentioned something about covenant. And I thought immediately that I forgot. I should have included that in the prayer. And so I did an extra session on prayer. Well, the same thing happened with this. Uh, I'm going to do one more lesson on the church. Because when we were out doing the wedding in California. We went to a church out there. And it was great. Everything was going great until the pastor started sharing his message. And as he was sharing, then Diane and I are tapping one another and and excited because we're understanding that He's saying some of the same stuff that we had said while we were uh, in our beginning of the year on our Father's heart in the aspect of church. And so this morning I want to go back and revisit this one more time like we did for prayer. But here's what I understood because I was thinking that as this pastor was sharing, that either he had watched or listened to uh, my my series on the church or he had somehow got a hold of my notes and so I'm just like trying to figure this out and I said, then all of a sudden it dawned on me that that wasn't it at all and what I realized is we have the same father and the father was speaking the same thing to, to us as he's speaking to that church out in California and so It moved from being a great message to being a wonderful, amazing, confirming great message because it confirmed in our hearts that we were hearing God and that we were listening to what God was saying in the direction that he's given to the body of Christ. And so he spoke on the importance of the church as well. And so I'm going to share on that, too. He brought in a scripture and and I had not brought in this scripture in in our series, so at the end, I'm going to do it, and we're going to kind of uh, look back at this review a little bit. But I want you to understand that church is important to God. And so, in our review, let's look at this. The first thing that we we realized concerning the church is the church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. It's not anybody else's idea. It's God's idea. We find this in Ephesians two. Verses 19 to 22. And it says this, Ephesians 2, 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so we're understanding that we've become saints or members of the household of God. And let me just tell you, that's the church. Verse 20 says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus. G- Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so what we're seeing is the work of the Father in creating the church, in filling the church with His Holy Spirit, causing us to be part of the. This is God's idea. Church is not man's idea. This is God's idea. And here's the, the strange thing about all of this. The church is made up of people. Just regular, ordinary people. But let me give you a description of these people. People who have faults, weaknesses. People who have insecurities. People who live with a fallen nature, even though it's been redeemed by the Holy Spirit. And who are growing in their faith, but people who also have the ability to be bit by what I call the stupid bug. We've all experienced that. We've all had those moments where we've done something stupid. And we think stupid things. We say stupid things. We do stupid things. Even if we're born again even if the Holy Spirit is in us and we go to church and we do all the things that we're supposed to do, we can still be stupid. We can still be bit by that bug. And so the church is made up of people. But here's the other thing that we have to understand too. That God isn't afraid of our background, of our stupidity, of the weaknesses and and frailty and, and all that we are. He's not afraid of that. And... Through all of that, he has decided to establish his church with those kind of people. And then we use people as our biggest hindrance to church. How many of us know somebody that's not coming to church because of what somebody else did or somebody else didn't do? It's people that even though God has established his church through people, it's people who get in our way. And so, people is the biggest hindrance for us, but I don't believe it's the biggest hindrance for God because He's the one who's called us. In God's mind, it's okay that we have all of those things that we struggle with because God understands that it's really not about us anyways. it's about Him. And so, if we have that mindset, then we won't let people get in our way either. We found out that God intends for us to meet together, to come together, and to share life together. This is found in Hebrews chapter 10. Starting in verse 23. Hebrews 10.23. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And first of all, we have to look at this and we have to think, well, the the day may not be drawing near in the sense of his return, but you know what? It's drawing near for you because you're going to die someday. Your life's going to come to an end. And so these are your last days. But he says that we're not to neglect Meeting together. We're we're to meet together. And the amazing thing about this is, is the American church hasn't experienced persecution. We think we have, but we really haven't. And you have to understand that the writer of Hebrews is writing this and he's writing to a church that from the very beginning, once God established them, once they were set out, then they have had nothing but persecution. They have had difficulties from the start but we've overcome and so to think that you know it's going to be easier it's not there's going to be persecution but it's okay and so he's telling them in spite of all the persecution when they could be in fear they could be living in fear he says no you can't stop meeting together you you need to meet together you need to be with one another because when we're with one another, we begin to rub shoulders with one another and we begin to rub the rough edges off of one another. And the scripture says that iron sharpens iron. And so we need one another to be able to do this. Because if we don't do it, then we stay sharp and we stay ineffective for the kingdom of God. That's why it's so important that we understand the importance of the church and the meeting together. Every person in every generation is tempted by the enemy to stop going to church for a number of reasons that seem justifiable to us in our minds, but they're not justifiable to God. And again, the persecution that church experienced just from the very beginning and the writer of Hebrews says, no, you can't. You can't stop. You can't stop meeting together. You need each other. And the sad thing is, is we usually stop meeting not because of persecution, but because of preference. Because of preference. We're upset at what somebody did or didn't do and, and or it's not convenient for us or it's not comfortable for us or whatever the reason is, but it's, it's about us. It's about what we like, what we're after. And, and that's a bigger stopping point than persecution is of us gathering. And so as we talk about people and how messed up they are and and they can be bit by the stupid bug and stuff, you know, we have to realize that since God established the church, He's not afraid of our past. And He's not afraid to create His church with messed up people. And so if He's not afraid of coming to church where there's a bunch of messed up people, we shouldn't be afraid either. So, I want to encourage you to make sure that you come to church. You spend time in a local church. Then we found out that the church is really not about us. It's about Him. It's about God. It's about us gathering together for Him to worship Him and to honor Him and to allow Jesus to meet with us because we are meeting together and the Scripture says that if two or three are together, He's going to be there in their midst. And so it's about him it's about it's not about us coming together for ourselves but it's us coming together for him and then we give he gives the holy spirit to us as we're meeting together as we've gathered together it's a place for us to come together and learn and grow in our faith serving one another so when we are not in church, we have the ability to love and serve Him, Christ, outside of the church, outside of these four walls, by loving and serving others who do not know Him yet. We find this through the church. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, we love because He first loved us, and so we have to understand that when we come together, we may not like each other, but God doesn't, say that we have to like each other, but He does say that we have to love one another. And so, when we come together for church, we're learning how to love one another. God brings us into a family. And, you know, the funny thing about family is, is God doesn't ask for permission to give us or to place us in the family that He places us in. I remember hearing my father-in-law one of the first times, and he said that God does not, give you a choice in your face or your race or your place. Mm. Isn't that awesome? And so when God places us in a family, it, it's, He intends to do that. We don't have a choice. Well, when we get placed into Christ, then we get placed into a, the family of God, the body of Christ. And so we have to learn to love one another as He has loved us. And we have to realize that Jesus is the head of the church, which is his body, and we are one body with many members. And one of our struggles is is we try and be like somebody else, and, and we try and become and do what somebody else is doing, and we're not becoming and doing what God has called us to do. Let me give you the scriptures for this, that he's the head of the church. Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Colossians 1, 18 and 19. And He, speaking of Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. That in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And then in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Romans 12, 4 and 5. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many members, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. And so he's letting us know that, first of all, Jesus is the head of the church. And second of all, his fullness rested in him. And so if he's the head of the church, then we're his body. And so the fullness of God is in the church and God isn't afraid of that. He's not afraid of that. We seem to be more afraid of it. But God isn't. And so we look at this and and I I just want to encourage you. We try and um, compare ourselves to others and we think, oh, if, if I had that if I was in that family or if I had this gift or if I had their talent or if I could do this like they do it, then your life would be great. No, it's not. Because you're trying to live somebody else's life. You need to live the life that God has for you. You need to ask Him what it is and you need to find out and then you need to begin to live it with Him. You see, we have to understand that we belong to one another whether we like it or not. We're together. We're a team. We need to be working together, not in competition. And again, we have to quit comparing ourselves, trying to be like everybody else. All right, so those were the quick reminders of a few things. Now, look at this new scripture that I'm going to bring in. But I want you to know something before I read it. This, I did not make this scripture up. I'm just reading it to you. We'll, we'll talk about it. But I did not write it. It's it's not my response, but I we need to know what it says. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14. And Paul is writing to Timothy and he's trying to give instructions, encouraging him. And so let's pick it up and... First Timothy, chapter three, verse 14. He says. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that. If I delay. You may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. And so let's just pause there for a moment. He's talking about. The behavior of the church. In the church, how do we act in the church? But then he defines the church. He says, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. And remember, we we read the household of God in Ephesians chapter two. And then he said he defines the household of God, which is the church of the living God. And so, again, may I remind you that Jesus is the head of the church and the church is has its origin from the living God. And then he continues when he says, which is the church of the living God. And then he describes this as the church. A pillar and buttress of truth. Woo! And that also, So basically what he's saying is, is that the church is the place of truth on the earth now. So when the world is looking for truth, They need to be able to go to the church and find the truth. That's what God has called us to. Let me continue in verse 16 and then we'll talk about this. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, speaking of Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, Proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And so again, I just want to remind hear what Paul is telling Timothy and all of us today. The church is the place of truth. The church is the pillar and buttress or foundation of truth. Paul is talking about the behavior of the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. We need to understand that. We need to understand that if we are the foundation, the pillar of truth for the world, for our society, then we have to make sure that what is important to God is also important to us. And according to this word, then the church is very important to God. And so the church ought to be very important to us. And I'm not talking just about the big church, but I'm talking about the local church. It needs to be important. It's important to God and it needs to be important to us. There are two institutions that God established to be His place. God's place. And it's marriage and the church. And when we talk about marriage, we're talking about the establishment of family. And then how God is working through families, And He Created one family and then they expand and they have their families. And that's the intention. That's how God plans to work. He hasn't changed his mind either. He works through families. Through people. And so he gathers families and then the local church is what? It's made up of a lot of little families. And they come together and they meet together and they begin to work together for the kingdom of God. And so it's out of these two institutions that everything else flows in this word pillar. This is an interesting word because we know it structurally that it it's a support. But what this also means is it's the highest ranking establishment, the highest ranking building, such as a courthouse or a military base. That the church is the pillar. It, it's a high ranking establishment that God has and he says it's first and foremost is the church God has established this buttress is the same thing as foundation and it's this is the only time that this is used in the new testament testament and it means get this the firmest foundation on which every other thing is built on and so there's no other foundation that is going to survive unless it's built on the foundation of the truth of God's word. That means as the church goes, so goes the city. As the churches go, so goes the state. As the churches in all the other states go, so goes the nation. So goes the world. And so if that's the case, then we need to make the church a high priority in our lives because God has made the church a high priority in the world today. According to 1 Timothy chapter 3, the importance of the church is there because the church is the demonstration of truth in and to the world. The church is the place that the world needs to be looking to for truth, not in and of themselves, but in the church. The church ought to be the one having the greatest influence, having the greatest, giving the greatest direction to the world. Not Lord, you know, but doing it so that we can be a blessing. There is no other place for the world to get truth from. God has established it in the church. And that's why you see the enemy coming against marriage. And coming against the family. The family structure. Because if he can break that down, then he's going to break down society. But we have also seen him coming against the church. He's always come against the church. But we're experiencing it more. And the reason he's doing that is because that's the place of truth. That's the place that God has established that The world should be able to come and find help. And we have the world trying to come up with their own solutions, come up with their own truth. And and let me just tell you something. It's just like the identity issues that we're having and, and what gender are you? I'm telling you, there's only two genders. There's male and female. There's nothing else. And the church needs to make sure that we stand for that. Because that's how God established things. There shouldn't be any confusion because when we take truth away, then this is what, gets, what happens. We have people who become confused, disillusioned, then they become hurt. They experience a tremendous amount of pain because they're walking in what they think is truth, but not truth according to God. And so we need to make sure that we are standing for God, standing according to His truth, So that the world will know how they should be living. And here's the thing that I don't understand. God has called the church to be this. But let me remind you that the church is made up of people. People who are messed up. People who do stupid things. People who have weaknesses, insecurities, failures. They sin. And He still chooses to use them. And He still chooses to take them and to change them and then allow them to become the place of truth on the earth. That's why it's important that we don't stop meeting together even when things are difficult and painful for whatever reason. This is why the church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. Because God wants the church to be the avenue for His truth to be revealed. I think of Matthew chapter 5 when we think about this. Because we've all seen this, but I see this in a totally different light now. Matthew chapter 5 starting in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. And let's just pause there for a moment. So He's declaring to the church because He's speaking to His disciples, those who are going to establish the church, he's speaking to them and he says, you are the light of the world. What does a light do? A light shines. That's the main function of light. And when the light shines, then the darkness is dispelled. And so you could also translate that you are the truth for the world. If we're the light of the world, then we're the truth of the world as well. But he says this, you are the light of the world, a city. A city. What's a city? Where a bunch of people have come together. They live together. Maybe not in the same, you know, in the same community. They live there. He says, and may I liken that to a church. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And so he doesn't expect our light to be hidden. He doesn't expect us to take our little light and go hide with it. No, he expects it to grow brighter and brighter and then the more there are of us, then the brighter the light is going to be for the city. Verse 15. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the household. Do you see how he's talking about the same thing that Peter was or that Paul was talking about to Timothy? That the church is to be that place of influence You're supposed to give light to them. You're supposed to be the place of truth for them. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so again, this is the direction influence that the church should have over the cities, over the states, over the nations in the world. This is God's plan. And so the church is important to him and it, and it ought to be important to us. Now, the last part. I want to talk about the three callings of the church. The first two we're not going to struggle with because uh, really it's a done deal when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's not hard. It's not difficult. It, it's just it's what happens to you when you accept The free gift of salvation through Jesus' sacrifice. So the first one is. is The first calling is God calls us out. He calls us out of the world. Out of darkness. Okay, So he calls us out. And then he calls us to himself. He calls us out of darkness. He calls us to himself. And so when he's doing that. He's doing that because we're saved. When we get saved, when we get born again, then that means that God has called us out of darkness. He has called us to Himself. Let me give you the scriptures for that. There's two different scriptures that we'll look at. First one is Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from, or we can say out of, The domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And so when I read this, I I always think of two things. He called us out of darkness, but then he's called us into the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of love. And so now we're in the kingdom of love as well. We're out of darkness, but we're in the kingdom of love. And then the second scripture is Revelation chapter 19 let me read it and then we'll talk about it. Then I heard, Revelation 19, 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made... Herself ready. And so I just want to think about this. This is what he's doing. He's calling us his bride. Jesus is calling us his bride. So we're called out of darkness, but we're called to him as his bride. So we're the bride of Christ. Mm. Now, think about this for a moment, though. He's using the marriage relationship here, and he's done this in Ephesians as well. And, and so when we see this, then we have to realize that when he's speaking of marriage, he's speaking of covenant relationship. And so when he talks about this, that we're the bride of Christ, then he's, God is looking at it as if he's in covenant relationship with us. That's a high relationship. That's not a casual relationship. That's not a dating relationship. That's not a, I'll see you in a week or I'll see you in a month or I'll see you when it's convenient for you for me. No, that's not it. That means you're committed to one another. And we need to see that as the church. God has called us out of darkness, but he's also called us to himself. And again, we can get excited about these first two callings because who doesn't want to be called out of darkness? Who doesn't want to be called to Christ and be his bride? That's exciting. But again, we don't have to do anything for that. All we had to do was place our faith in Jesus Christ. Be born again. And So the third one. And this third one's going to require us to do something. So it's not like the first two. He says we are called out. We're called to. And then we're called in. We're called in. We're called out of darkness. We're called to Christ. We're his bride. And then he says, we're called in, into a local church. We're called into the body of Christ. Now, he places us in that, but I'm, we're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty now. We're talking about the local church. God wants us to be in a local church. A local gathering. A local assembling. He wants us to do that. He wants us to be that. He wants us to come together. He's letting us know that we're not going to make it. And these are the three aspects of the ecclesia. And we usually focus on the first two, but we don't focus on the third one that much. Because we're afraid of offending people or whatever. But we have to understand that this is a calling We're called into a local church. And this is important because remember, think of all the things that we've shared so far. It's from here that that this is the truth and the foundation that we see that we need each other. We need each other. What COVID has taught us, if it's taught us anything, is, is that there's a lot of Great videos out there. You can watch a lot of great worship services. You can watch a lot of great messages. And if you don't have the ability to watch them, you can hear them. You you can hear things online without any issues at all. You can hear great messages. and, And it's great that we have that ability. And we've learned that we have that ability. But... I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you with this as well. Even though you can do that, even though you can watch great worship services, you can watch great preaching or you can hear great worship services or you can hear uh, great preaching. There's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes in the local church that you don't get to see, that you don't get to be a part of when you're just watching it or listening to it. There's more that happens In the local church, there's more that that happens on a Sunday when we gather together than just worship and and the preaching. There's the seeing of one another. There's the coming together. There's, like I mentioned earlier, when we come together, then we have the opportunity to knock off the rough edges that we all have. We get to help one another. We get to be an encouragement and a support to one another. Because there's things going on that you don't get when you're just watching or listening online. I remember at the close of one of our worship services, I had a word that God was healing a pain in somebody's neck. And I don't remember which side it was on, but I named the side. And after the service Nobody came up. Nobody came up and, and received that. Nobody was touched by it. And then after lunch, we got home and our phone rings. And this lady is on the other end and I'm talking to her. And she says, Pastor, i got to tell you something. She said, when you had that word at the end of worship about somebody having pain in, the, in their neck. She wasn't a pain in the neck, but she had a pain in the neck. They said that, she said, I didn't think anything of it. And she said, and I had a pain in my neck, but I didn't really think anything of it. And she said, and then you preached. And then I left. And she said, and I was leaving the parking lot. And she said, I, as I was leaving the parking lot, she said, I'm driving down the driveway of the church to get to the highway to go home. And she said, when I got towards the end of the driveway, I turned to my neck in a way. And when I turned my neck, I didn't have any pain. And she says, so I want you to know that I don't know when it happened, but it happened between the time you said it and the time that I was leaving the driveway. And she said, I don't have that anymore. You see, those are the types of things that we miss if we're not in a local church. There's things that go on behind the scenes that we'll miss. Yes, you can sense His presence when you're at home. And I hope you do. And you don't even need all of the videos in the message. You can sense His presence. But you know what? What happens when we sense it together? We sense the presence of others as well. It's not just that we need the presence of God, but we also need the presence of one another in our lives. It's that important. And the writer of Hebrews said, look, in the midst of all the struggles you're going through, do not neglect the meeting together. Mm. There's an anointing that happens when we are collectively coming together. There's corporate prayer that happens. There's laying on of hands that happens in a local church that it doesn't happen if you're watching A service online or If you're listening to a service online. Those should be secondary for us, Not primary. I just wonder. And this is just me personally. I just wonder. How many people are missing out on their healings? Because there's times that. In this place. In this building. During our worship time. During our service. That God has touched people. And healed people. Without anybody laying hands on them. And I wonder how many people do we know are missing their healing because they're not coming to church. They're not coming to the local church. You see, it's in the local church that we're going to get the support that we need. You know, we just had uh, a funeral service here. And it was awesome because yeah, there were two families that came together and they were supportive of one another. But you know what? There was also a church family that was supportive of them. A church family that came together to help them. A week of trying to work through things and, and, and get through everything. And she had a, a church body that was able to come and support her. Great service yesterday. Great food that was supplied. For the, for the families. Because she was involved in a local church. You see, we need the local church. The local church is important to God. And if it's important to God, the local church needs to be important to us. Think about it. If God has established the local church and the church as the pillar and foundation of truth, For the world. Then how do we take it casually? How do we take it? Well, you know, Pastor. I wasn't feeling good. It wasn't fitting into my schedule. You know, you don't always say this to me. But church isn't convenient. Hmm. It's important to God. He's created it. He's filling it. He's filling it with His Messed up people who are going to be touched by his spirit. But it's not important to you. Hmm. You can just kind of take it and leave it. And I'm not talking about when you take a vacation or something. But you know, a vacation shouldn't be six months. Shouldn't be a year. The local church is important to God. And it ought to be important to us as well. He hasn't called us to date Him or to see Him, you know, whenever. And it's not like He desires for us to come and when we show up, we let Him know how blessed He is because we're at church. We decided to go to church. today. Well, He doesn't get excited about that. I hate to tell you that. But He will get excited when you keep showing up. When you keep doing the right thing. And you keep coming and you have the right attitude and it's not like, oh... I have to get up and go to church tomorrow. Or, oh, I got to I go to Bible study on Tuesday morning. Or I got to go to Bible study on Thursday night. Oh, I mean, it's almost like you're being tortured or something. You're going to church. You're learning. You're going to be studying about God's Word. You're going to be in the presence of others and you're going to be in His presence. And it's a bother to you. It's a struggle for you. The local church is a city of light for the world. The pillar and foundation of truth for all nations. From there, as we gather, the church becomes a place of refuge and strength for the saints, for the believer. And from there, the church serves as a house of hope for the world. The world has some place that it can run to. Some place that it can find truth. Some place that it can be uh, loved. It can find peace. It can find purpose. And God has said. I'll do it through my church. So I want to remind you that the church. It's establishment and function is God's idea. Not man's. So make sure that you're part of it. Make sure that you're going to celebrate the fact that you're called out of darkness. You're called to Him, but you're also called into a local church. For us, I just want to challenge you with this. Sundays need to be a set-apart time. Because I'll tell you what, whatever time it, it, you meet, whatever time your local church decides to meet, and whatever day it is, God knows that that's the time. And he has set it apart for his time. But you know, we need to set it apart as our time as well. We don't need to let other things get in the way. You know, it's amazing to me, all the sports that are taking place. And they start on Friday or Saturday morning and they go all the way through Sunday night and people are out of church. They're more concerned about the sporting things for their children. But they're not concerned about their spiritual lives. It's sad. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you to let the church, the time that you're gathering together as a local time, to be your set apart time, to be your holy time to meet with God and the rest of the body of Christ. To come together. To be found as a local church. and when we come together it's not about did we sing the right songs did the preacher preach the right message did he preach too long god forbid or did he preach too short which you never hear that but you know we want you know am i going to have to sit by so and so or or whatever no the church is about us coming together and when we come together as a church it should be god Were you pleased when we met? Not, was I pleased? It doesn't matter if you were pleased or not. The important question is, is God, were you pleased with what we offered you today? Through all of this, this is why God loves the church. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I want to encourage you with that. Because it it won't. But this is why God loves the church so much. And this is why the enemy hates it so much. But if God loves the church this much, and He does, then I want to challenge you and encourage you to make sure that you love the church as much as God does. That you love the church as much as God does. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again for this day. And the love that you have for us. We thank you for the privilege of coming together. And worshiping you and honoring you. And lifting up your name. And Father, I thank you that your word declares that when you when we lift you up. You will draw all men to yourself. And Father, I pray that for this local church in this community and for all the churches Father, that they would be that city of life, the city on a hill and people know where to turn to when they need help when they're hurting when they're lost when they're confused they can find help they can find refuge in your, in your local church and Father I pray that you would cause us to be a people who love the church like you love the church. In Jesus' name, Amen. And Amen.